0: You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. John Tabor doing a fabulous job at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Now join us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, Jack Thigpen for his weekly visit. What up, Coach? How are you doing this morning? Boy? Good
2: morning. Good morning. Doing great. Doing great. How about everybody?
1: Good. I know you're all in on this NCAA tournament and March Madness. Got a number of questions to ask you. Uh, just first of all, overall, big picture, what do you think of the tournament so far?
2: Oh, I think it's been great. And, you know, I think it, it is it – that away every year you know of course some years you you got more upsets than other years and some of the the regulars win and that sort of thing but you know every year it's a surprise who's going to upset who and it turns out to be a great three weeks of basketball and I don't think this year's any difference whatsoever of course we've got that storyline with Loyola Chicago which is a wonderful storyline you know I love that and you know again just proof that some of these mid-major schools, just because people don't know them across the country, doesn't mean that they can't play some basketball. Loyola Chicago is awful, awful good, and of course they've caught the imagination of the of the country and Sister yeah. Jean. And you know, I think it's just wonderful for basketball.
1: You got a little agitated a few weeks ago when we were discussing, of course, uh, the at-large teams and the the shaft that mid-major squads received. Does this kind of prove a point with Loyola Chicago now making the Final Four?
2: Well, I think it does to a certain extent, and I think not only just loyal Chicago, if you look back over the first day of the tournament, you know, uh, when you look at uh, UMBC winning and Buffalo beating Arizona and, you know, Nevada beating Texas and, you know, there's just, it just Rhode Island beating Oklahoma. You know, it just goes on and on. But, you know, what's so sad about it, next year when the tournament starts, We'll be saying the same thing, that the mid-majors did not get enough people in, that the big boys got more than their share in the tournament. And it happens all the time. So it's fun to watch it happen one year, but I don't think it really relates to the next year, which I think it should, and I, and I hate it. But, you know, this has happened before. George Mason has been in there. You know, Butler made it to the finals two years in a row. They're a Big East team now, but when they made it to the to the finals, they were a mid-major, a Horizon league team, and, you know, then we go back and the same thing happens again. But it's awful fun for me to to see these mid-major guys uh, prove to the world that they can play basketball. Well,
1: right, let's get to a few takeaways from uh, these four matchups, and we start with that Loyola game. They've had a number of squeakers throughout the tournament, winning a lot of close games, what, every one of them by one or two points until they score off against Kansas State and they win 78-62 what impresses you the most about them at this point?
2: Well, there's a couple of things that I really like about them. First of all, uh, they can all play. You know, they got five guys averaging in double figures, and when you put a team out there with five guys averaging double figures, they're awful tough to beat. You know, they got the big guy inside. They've got can really shoot the basketball. They're mature. They got a, You know, an older squad with a lot of seniors on it. And then the thing that I like is their offense. They really move offensively most of the time you see a lot of guys with a lot of movement on offense and you know, it seems like nowadays for whatever reason i see a lot of teams come down the court and they're playing you know 1 on 1 basketball or maybe a pick and roll and two guys are playing and the other three are just standing over on the side watching uh, there's a lot of 1 on 1 stuff and and i really don't like that but the way loyal chicago plays boy they move everybody's involved everybody's you know, cutting to the basket, coming off screens, their screens away from the ball. Uh, I really like the way they move their offense. So I, there are several things there that I like about Loyola Chicago, and I think that's one reason they're giving a lot of these other guys fits.
1: Michigan takes care of Florida State, 58-54. The Wolverines are on a serious roll. What do you think about that Michigan squad?
2: Well, they're awful good, too. They really are. And of course, I think they surprise some people. I don't think they really – a lot of people didn't feel like they would get all the way to the – to the final four, and I certainly did not have them picked, but uh, again, I think they're very well coached. I like uh, Coach Beeline. I think he's done a great job through the years, and and I like the way they play, too. They, They just seem like a team that's kind of on a mission, so to speak, and and, you know, they're good, and they've got some good players, and they play the game, I think, next to loyal Chicago, or Villanova. They they all play the game, the different styles and different ways of, of playing, which has all been good. But, yeah, I do like Michigan, too. I, I, really, all four of these teams, I, it, it could be a toss-up to me.
1: You look at Villanova taking care of Texas Tech. Villanova has been very impressive in this uh, tournament. They win 71-59. They certainly hurt Texas Tech on the offensive rebounds. And then Texas Tech – Red Raver, Red Raiders just clearly missed some point-blank shots. Anything that stood out to you, Coach?
2: Well, you know, and to be honest, I did not get to see that game. I hated that. We were over this weekend in, in the Dallas area watching my son, uh, run, my, my grandson rather, run some track, play a little basketball, and we were coming back yesterday. I was listening to it on the radio as much as I could pick it up and got home to watch the last game, but Bill and I, I've seen Villanova play through the tournament, and they're just solid. They are just so solid, and uh Jay Wright does a great job of those guys, and they've been consistent for the last several years and been real good all year. I think texas Tech uh they surprised a lot of people they're so talented uh, and they're and they're just so athletic, but Villanova they're just so solid, they do things right, they're fundamentally sound, they really play good defense they're very efficient offensively and, and I think that was the difference in that ball game, and the reason that Villanova is where they are today.
1: CBS was just drooling all over itself with this matchup, uh, Kansas versus Duke. And you look at the way that that thing unfolded at the end of regulation. It looked like the Duke is going to win it on a Grayson Allen shot. It hits every side of that rim and the backboard and does not go in. And Kansas, of course, gets the best of them in OT 85-81. Jayhawks, once again in the Final Four, I guess we've heard that story a time or two before.
2: Well, yeah, and, and those are just two storied teams. I mean, you know, Kansas and Duke, you know, every year – the basketball season starts you can pencil in Kansas and Duke being one of the two best teams in the country and they certainly were again this year and and that was just two big heavyweight teams battling each other and as you say went right down to the final final wire you know it could have been a Grayson Allen shot goes in you know we're talking about Duke being in the final four it doesn't And Kansas comes back wins in overtime and you know I just thought it was two heavyweights and they were really playing well and it just happened that Kansas came out on top. You know, you throw them together and let them play again tomorrow, who knows, Duke may have won or may win. But Kansas is awful good. Uh, they always are, and so is Duke. And, you know, this is going to be a, another heck of a matchup between Villanova and Kansas in the first in the final four next weekend.
1: Before we get to those two matchups, i got to have a follow-up question about, of course, Leonard Hamilton's decision or his squad's decision not to fall with 11 seconds to go. They're only down by four. I know you defend a lot of coaches out there. Can you explain what took place there and why there was
2: not a foul? No, I really can't. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I you know I've always been one of those that fight right down to the very end till that till that horn blows. I don't want to ever give up, and uh, you know it looked like they just kind of backed off and gave up. And I really don't know uh, what the situation was. I don't know if it just you know I don't know. I can't answer that because i wasn't, I wasn't I'm not there. I don't really know what Leonard Hamilton's thought process was at the time. Uh, You know, I think it's tough that, uh, you know, you go, like uh, he said, stick a mic in front of a guy that's been so emotionally uh, drained through a situation that he's been in and then all of a sudden has to answer those tough questions. And he may not know. You know, he may have have just kind of lost it. I I really don't know. But, no, I I think you should have fouled. There's no question about it. I I don't think you ever give up. And, you know, there's a lot of things can happen in in the course of a basketball game in the last few seconds, you know, particularly with a three-point shot and particularly how fast these guys can get the ball down the floor. We've seen a lot of situations, a lot of games throughout the course of a year when, when you know, just a second or two's on the clock and somebody gets a rebound, makes a couple of dribbles and shoots and makes a three-pointer to win the game. Several three-point shots in this tournament were made right at the end of the game to win some ball games. And, you know, so you just never give up. And I really don't know what happened with Florida State then. I, I really don't know, and I, I don't want to try to guess.
1: All right, Loyola, Chicago will be a five-and-a-half-point underdog to Michigan. Uh, Villanova just came out. It'll be a five-point favorite versus Kansas. What kind of matchup do you think we're going to have in the final?
2: Well, goodness, I don't know. You know, it's hard to pick them. I, I pick one Villanova's my only uh, team that I picked in the final four that's still standing, so I'm not one to be picking teams, but – I really think Chicago, Loyola Chicago, and Michigan. I think Michigan's got to be the favorite. And again, most teams were the favorite against Loyola Chicago going through the course of the of the uh, of the tournament. But I really would not be surprised if Loyola Chicago doesn't give them a battle. I really think Michigan will probably win the game, even though I'm kind of I'm pulling for Loyola Chicago. But uh, I, you know, it's it's hard to just keep putting those games back to back to back like they've been doing. And uh, but winning by such close margins as we've mentioned, and I just think probably in my picture, I think Michigan would probably win that game. Villanova and Kansas again, uh, that's two you know heavyweights, two really good teams, the two number one seeds that are there and uh, playing each other, and, and I I kind of leaning toward Villanova. I just think they're a little more solid. I think they've got got a little more depth there, and I I, I kind of pulling for Villanova. Mean, I'm I'm picking Villanova, but. You know, I think it's a toss-up in, in either one of those games.
1: And of course, the beauty of it is uh, next Monday you'll be back on and we'll be breaking down the national championship game. We always love a history lesson or two, Jack. You got a black uh, a blast from the past for us?
2: Well, you know, I do. Uh, Teddy Allen, this, our friend Teddy Allen this past week wrote an article about this being the 30th anniversary of the death of two just outstanding people, outstanding players, both with connections with LSU and uh, and, and Louisiana. And I, and I want to mention those two guys and kind of tell you a couple of quick stories about them. One of those is Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich yeah. passed away January the 5th in 1988, 30 years ago at the age of 40. Pete Maravich, of course, is one of the greatest basketball players there ever was. And the other was Don Redden. Don Redden, a Ouachita graduate, Monroe native, passed away on March 8th of 2018 at the uh, young age of 24. Of course, Don Redden led LSU as an 11th seed, just like Loyola Chicago, to the NCAA Final Four uh, in 1986. But two quick stories about those two guys. In 1967, I was just graduating from Louisiana Tech. I knew I wanted to be a coach. And Northwestern down in Natchitoches was hosting a coaching clinic that fall. And I wanted to go down to the coaching clinic. What that is is when a, t- a school will sponsor this, they'll bring in college coaches from different places to speak and high school coaches come in and listen to the college coaches talk and get some pointers on how they can become better coaches. I went down to the coaches clinic, and one of the speakers was a brand-new basketball coach at lsu had just been hired he gets up to speak and when he gets up to speak he says that what he was going to do that day was to bring his son down to the coaches clinic and let his son demonstrate ball handling drills and dribbling drills that he does to the rest of the coaching staff well that coach was press maravich at that time, of course, you didn't have social media. The games were not on television all the time. We had no idea who Press Maravich was. And his son was Pete Maravich. Well, he said that he was going to bring Pete down that day. But at that time, uh, colleges had Saturday classes. This was a Saturday morning. And Pete had a test in a class at LSU. And he did not was not able to come to the coaching clinic. He had to stay back and take that test. Well, of course, we didn't really know what we missed because nobody heard of Pete Maravich at that time. Well, later on, of course, Pete Maravich becomes one of the greatest basketball players, of the greatest ball handlers, just a magician with the ball. If people have not seen highlights of him, they owe it to themselves to go to YouTube or someplace and watch highlights of him playing, particularly his days at LSU. They won't believe what he could do. When he got to be so famous, people were asking, how did he get to be so famous and he was telling people and his dad was because of all these ball handling drills that he did. And he put tapes out of these ball handling drills. They're fantastic. And coaches all over the country were buying these tapes, watching him do these ball handling drills, and started teaching their players these ball handling drills, which was one unheard of back in those days. I was could have been one of the first ones to watch Pete Maravich do those famous ball handling drills if it hadn't have been for a teacher at LSU giving him a test on Saturday morning. I'll never forgive that teacher for giving him that test. Don Redden, skip to him now, I was coaching at, uh, at Northeast, it's ULM now, but I'm going to refer to it at Northeast, when Don Redden was a student at, at Washington. We went to church at North Reno Baptist Church, and Don Red and his family went to church. Then I got to know his family real well and got to know Don real well. And, of course, he became a great player at Washington, at, uh, So we started recruiting Don. And Don was like a Pied Piper. He, he, he People just uh, were attracted to him. He loved youngsters. He, my son was, Philip was about a fourth or fifth grader at that time. That when they would see each other at church, Don was always coming up and speaking to Philip and talking to Philip. Don had a friend that lived in our neighborhood, and Don would come over to see his friend a lot. And when he would drive by our house on his way to see his friend, if Philip was out in the yard shooting basketball, and we had a goal in our driveway, Don would always stop and get out and, and shoot basketball. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unusual for me to drive home in the evening, and there'd be Don out in the driveway shooting basketballs with Philip. Of course, I'd get out and we'd, we'd just play for a while. Just a great guy. Everybody loved him. His mother, Glenda, was selling Amway products at that time. Of course, we never bought Amway products, but when you start recruiting players, you do different things. So we started buying Amway <laughs> products from his mother, Glinda. One Saturday, we were off on a road trip playing out of town someplace. I don't remember when, where it was. I called back on Saturday morning the house to check on everything my wife answered the phone and we was talking she said you won't believe who's sitting at my breakfast table right now eating blueberry can pancakes with philip and my daughter lisa i said who's that she said don redden she said don got up that morning was leaving the house and his mother glenda said don said i've got some amway products i need you to run by the figpins house Said can you (laughs) drop them by on your way he said sure i will he comes by, knocks on the door to deliver the Amway products, and my wife answers and said, Come on in. Said, I'm fixing blueberry pancakes for Philip and Lisa. My daughter said, Would you like to have one? He said, Sure. So he sits down. He's eating breakfast at our table with my son, Philip, and, and my daughter, uh, Lisa. Another quick story Do, uh, Dale Brown was a coach at LSU, and Dale Brown did a lot of innovative things. With uh, it, to promote basketball in the state of Louisiana and to promote LSU. One of the things he did, he had a coach's show. Nobody at that time had a coach's show. It was on the radio. You could pick it up all over, syndicated all over the state of Louisiana, and everybody listened to it. I mean, it was just a, It was one of these things that if you were a basketball fan, when it came on, you listened to the Dale Brown show. Uh, and I listened to it a lot, even though I was coaching at Northeast. When he ended his show almost every night, he would say, Good night, Don. Good night, Benjamin, wherever you are. And at that time, of course, he was recruiting Don Redden, and Benoit Benjamin was a player at Carroll High School at that time. Same year with Don. Benoit Benjamin, of course, went on and played at Creighton University. Willis Reed, the coach at Creighton, came down, got Benoit Benjamin. He became a great NBA player. One night, uh, he was. Dale Brown's radio show was going to be the same night that Ouachita and Carroll were going to play at Ouachita. Well, Dale Brown brings his radio crew to Monroe. They set up and coach Gary Armstrong, he was the coach at Washita's office at that time, and did his radio show from the office of the coach at Ouachita High School before that basketball game. And, I mean, it was the talk of the town for Dale Brown, the icon coach in Louisiana, to bring his radio show to Ouachita. And he he did that, and what a great time. One more quick story. Don Redden was a great player, a great kid, but he made himself a player. I want you to listen to what he did. Every morning in the summer between his junior and senior year in high school and also between his senior year in high school and his freshman year in college, he had a job he worked at, but he got up at 6 o'clock every morning he went to his garage, he had a jump rope, he had some weights, he would jump rope, he'd lift weights, he would do ball handling drills for about an hour, he'd change clothes, he would get to work, he would work all day, at the end of the day he would come home, he'd get his basketball, he had a key to the Washington Parish gym, he would go to the gym and he would work out most of the time by himself for an hour, two hours every night, then he'd go back, he'd go back, go back get to bed, get up the next morning, do the same thing. What a great guy Don Redden was, what a great player Pete Maravich was, and we lost those two guys at such a young age, and what a shame.
1: Mm. Good stuff, Jack Digpin. Uh, NCAA regulations were a little different back then.
2: <laughs> well, you, they God. really were, but uh, you know, as far as uh, that, it was you could go to these ball games as a coach, but you couldn't talk to the players, uh, right. and so of course. When Dale Brown came to uh, to LSU and set up his radio show, he you know he couldn't speak to Don and he couldn't speak to Benoit Benjamin, but he made sure they knew he was there.
1: But he could give him a shout out over the radio. Good oh yeah, night. yeah, right, right.
2: He gave them a shout out over the radio. That's right, exactly. He would sign off every, just about every night when he would sign off. Good night, Don. Good night, Benoit.
1: <laughs> Good stuff, Jack. We'll talk next week.
2: Okay, great. Enjoyed it. What
1: well, it could have been with uh, Coach Fig- Fig- Figpin seeing a. Uh, Pistol Pete, up close and personal.
3: Man, he Coach Thickman has stories yeah, for yeah, days, yeah. don't he?
1: What well, could have been real quickly it reminds me the story when we we're in Cabo one time and uh, we were, we got picked up by a van. We we're going on an excursion to go zip lining. We we're picking up different people and literally uh, went through this one resort area. We went through three or four security guests. I said, "Who are we picking up here? The president?" And all of a sudden, some rather large fellows come walking in and they get into the van. and I said, uh, Kim, they play professional football. And one of them was being John Stitchcomb from the Saints at the time. So we ziplined with them for a majority of the day. But the story was that they were with Drew Brees and his wife. Mm. And they were coming ziplining that day. They would have been with us ziplining and on the van. But at the last minute, they backed out and stayed back at the resort instead of going zip lining. Wow. Mm. What could have been? What could have been? It's like yeah. Jack's Pistol Pete story.
3: Uh, a little bit different, but Yeah. <laughs>
1: 888 993 7762. We're off and running on the morning drive. Hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotel.
3: Unfortunately, in life, bad things happen to us. If you are struggling with some sort of trauma and want some professional help, you should consider EMDR trauma therapy from Amber White at Firm Foundations Counseling in Monroe. Amber White is one of the few therapists in our area certified in MDR. Therapy, a type of therapy which uses eye movement and other stimulation to assist clients in processing distressing memories and beliefs. Blue Cross, Vantage, and Tricare insurance is accepted at Firm Foundations. If you're interested in learning more about EMDR trauma therapy, call Firm Foundations Counseling today at 318-654-7010. That's 318 654 7010, or go online to myfirmfoundations.com for more information. Man, you're getting good at those. Uh, you know, Jeez. reading things is just uh, really good. Man. Yeah, I like to put that on my resume. Good at reading. Solid Thanks.
1: performance there. Uh, a couple texts here on the Stuart Shelby State Farm text line.
3: Yes. So Shane dropped some knowledge on us. He says, As a team, Michigan is a 66% free throw shooting. The reason why that's relevant is because uh, Florida State chose not to foul in the last 11. Uh, seconds. And
1: then Gary follows up.
3: Gary follows up and says, so let's see here. If the coach fouls an 85% free throw shooter and he makes them both and loses by six, he's now asked, why did you foul that guy, coach? And you get the same question and reaction from reporter and coach. Hmm. Not the case, Gary. If he fouls, if he fouls right there, it's not a story, first of all. So he would never be asked about it. It would, he would be asked about something else. I mean because
1: that's what you do. You're trying to extend the game. Yeah. And of course, even if you're down by six after he makes his two free throws, you still have a chance. They'll have an opportunity to come down there, drain a three-pointer, and make it a one-possession game with probably, you would think, uh, four or five seconds remaining.
3: Exactly. And I uh, got a couple texts here. Russell, we were giving our odd um, headlines this morning. We left this one off. Santa Clara's Jake Brote hit two grand slams in one inning. Became the seventh player in 61 years to do so. Kind of surprised it's that many people. I'm amazed
1: that there were seven of them. Yeah. Uh, So two grand slams in one inning. Two
3: grand slams in one inning, and and I've since checked on it, and that's that's factually accurate. That's Mm -hmm. really, really crazy. Um, Hogan says, good show, guys. Did y'all see how close my hogs were to knocking off number two, Florida, SEC rules, college baseball? I did get a chance, and actually, I tuned in to the worst one. I thought that would be one of the best series of the game of the weekend, and I tuned in Saturday when Florida won seventeen to two. But I did see Arkansas. You know, Arkansas won Game One and almost beat them Sunday, but lost five to four.
1: And this is a great tidbit here. Uh, T.J. Soto is one of the seven from Louisiana Tech that hit those two grand slams in one inning. Wow! Uh, He did it against Western Kentucky. Thank you, Malcolm.
3: Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. There you go. Always can uh, localize things. Uh,
1: we need to mention the Diamond Dogs. We did at the beginning of the show. The fact that they are now five and one in conference play, nineteen and seven overall. They won a big series this weekend against UAB. They'll go to McNeese State this on
3: Tuesday. They continue to get this thing roll along. Yes. Uh to be honest with you, I was reading a text and I was not listening to you. So
1: yeah, yeah I know that understands. Uh, Just mentioned Louisiana Tech, they continue to roll. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They, they lead the conference right.
3: Huge, now. huge weekend uh for Louisiana Tech, of course, to win that game uh in twelve innings yesterday, uh to to win that series at UAB. It's always big, I know it's cliche, but it's so true. It's always big to win a road series. Uh, even if you don't get the sweep, you get two wins. It's it's very big.
1: This is what happens, though. If I say LSU, then, of course, uh, Jake's ears pop up. Uh, The Tigers, with a they drop a series, but I'm sure you'll put a a positive. Positive spin? Yeah,
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, No, yeah, I mean, they lost the the series to Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's, again, one of the best teams in the country. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it was an odd. Like I said, the whole uh, weekend was odd for college baseball teams in our area. But the fact that they only went seven innings yesterday and that they had only run scored in that game came on a pass ball. I mean, it tells you how good both pitchers were. Would have loved to have seen it go nine innings, but ultimately LSU does fall and loses that series to Vanderbilt.
1: And we're still looking for spring football scrimmage stats from LSU to share. I'm sure the passing attack is on point.
3: Oh, it's on point. You know, tight quarterback race. <laughs> What else? What other cliche things can we say?
1: Let's take a timeout. 888 993 7762. Coming up after the break, you'll hear a fantastic call from Nick White. Plus, he'll join us live to break down an eventful weekend for you, Ellen.
0: No balls, two strikes on Spencer Hemphill, the senior, out of West Washita. Kirby comes set and the pitch. High fly ball into left field, going back on to Casey ball. He's got the warning track. He's got the roll. This one is gone. A Grand Slam home run for Spencer Hemp Hill.
4: And the Warhawks
0: win it. They walk it off with a Grand Slam home run by Spencer Hemp Hill. Four to nothing. The Warhawks win over Arkansas State. How about that? And they bring the water bucket out to dump on Spencer Hemp Hill. What a moment for the senior out of West Washita. his third home run of the season, a Grand Slam walk-off winner for Spencer Hemphill. The Warhawks take the series from Arkansas State, and they win
1: 4 to nothing. They jacked up Nick White, rightfully so, courtesy of the ULM Radio Network. Nick White now joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. What up, Nick? Sound a little like a... Gus Johnson, the second best uh, play-by-play guy of all time, right there.
0: <laughs> oh man, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just told Tabor, and I, I told, um, I told, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I could call games till I'm 99 years old, and, and I don't want to do that. By the way. Oh. Um, <laughs>
1: The sister gene of yeah. broadcasting. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll meet we'll up the stairs, baby. Let's get in the wheelchair. Um I don't, I don't think you would ever in, in baseball. This, this, this would only happen in baseball. Okay,
4: mm-hmm.
0: this, this is the only sport this can happen. Okay, this, this is the only sport where you can have a two nothing shutout on Friday. You hold the opposing team to three hits. You come back, and you give up 26 hits the next day. You lose 31-7. to 7. And then you come back the next day, and it's a scoreless ball game into the bottom of the ninth mm. with two outs and an 0-2 count. Mm. And a kid hits a walk-off grand slam. I mean, mm. I, I don't – baseball, guys – Obviously, I wasn't speechless at the end of that, but <laughs> whenever you sit back and you think about it, you're just like, what in the world just happened? I mean, it is just amazing, the turn of events on that weekend. And, and here's what's funny about it, all right? Let, let, me, let, let, me take, let me take you through some of the conversations I had with, with, with a friend and colleague of mine, the play-by-play broadcaster for Arkansas State, Matt Stolz, okay? Mm. Friday, Friday before the series started, Arkansas State had a ball game last week against coastal Carolina, their Saturday ball game. maybe maybe they just pound the baseball on Saturdays. I don't know. But they had a baseball game last Saturday against coastal Carolina The coastal Carolina won twenty four to sixteen, okay? And so I asked Matt. I said, you know what what was that like? And he's like, it was pure misery. <laughs> you know and And I said, well, I said I've been there, you know, last year thirty two to four, you know. Well, silly me, you know. Why do I even bring that up? Because mm. I I got to deal with that on on, you know, on Saturday, a similar ball game. Now I'll, I'll say this: the thirty-one to seven on Saturday was totally different than thirty-two to four. I corrected you earlier, and I bring you, I, I wanted to correct the score because I thought it was a very important the way that team continued to fight in that baseball game. You didn't see that last year in thirty-two to four. It was a totally different ball game in thirty-one to seven. Arkansas State was just finding the hole. They were, they were you know, hitting the baseball. But the ULM never quit. I mean, they had 11 hits in that ball game uh, the other night. They, they ended up, you know, they, they kept competing. Um, you know, they got, you know, had, had a home run in the ninth inning, pushing runs across. You know, they were still battling out there. And so I had a good feeling going into Sunday that they were going to bounce back. But uh, I had the conversation with Matt Stoltz yesterday before the ball game i said you know what in the world just happened yesterday you know we're talking about all the records they set and all this and he said well you know maybe we'll have a pitcher's duel today and i said Mm -hmm. yeah fat chance well Mm -hmm. we ended up having a pitcher's duel (laughs) uh just unbelievable i mean i I can't believe what happened this weekend just and and the best part about it is the warhawks won the series and, and now they're uh they're three and three in the league and uh you know, that could come up big for them uh, down the line wherever you start looking at the seating and uh, conference tournament stuff.
1: Nick, take us behind the closed doors. I think everybody's always curious after you get beat like that, what is the team's mood and psyche like? What was it like Sunday going into that game being around the team?
0: It was fine. I mean, I, look, I, I thought – and you texted me uh, yesterday morning. You were asking me that. Um of course, uh, our friend, um, you know, Dr. Saul Graves actually uh, spoke at, at chapel for for them uh, yesterday morning and uh, had a great message. Obviously, um, it was about sacrifice, and and he let it off with talking about Augie Dorito, who, who passed away um, earlier a few weeks ago, and just talked about you know all of his wins, but but how he, he preached you know the sacrifice of um, uh, and you know, even his best players had to learn how to bunt because he was going to sacrifice, even his best guy would, would sacrifice bunt and obviously tie that into with the Easter season coming up, the sacrifice that, that, that Jesus Christ, you know, gave his life on the cross for each and every one of us. And, and so it was a great message, um, from Saul there. who's a great man of faith and, and a great friend. And then, you know, Coach Bad kind of, Piggybacked on that message to the team, you know, talking about, you know, there were some guys in that ball game that really sacrificed uh, for the team that saved their pitching staff for, for Sunday. You know, Kyle Backus um, they kind of just sacrificed him to say, go out there and, and you're you're pitching. You know, you're, you're not coming out of the ball game. You're you're staying out there because this game is is kind of, you know, it is what it is. You're not rallying from twenty four. You know. 20-plus runs down, you know, you buried throughout the ball game, And, um, you know, it, it, and so you're not coming out of this thing and, um, you know, sacrifice and save the pitching staff for Sunday because, yeah, you lost the battle on Saturday. And it was just one battle. I mean, it looks bad, but it was one battle. But they won the war. They, they won the weekend series. That's the war. And, um, and, and so I thought the move for the team immediately, whenever I saw them Sunday morning, was great. Had the perfect mindset, and, and it didn't help that there were some fireworks on Saturday. You know, Arkansas State was was pretty pretty doggone cocky um, with the way they handled their business on Saturday. Um, you know, there there were some fireworks in that ball game. Um, their first baseman Kyle McDonald um, created a little bit of fireworks. If, if I was if I was his teammate, if I was Logan Anderson, um, his teammate had batted right behind him. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd have more than a few words for him because, you know, Kyle McDonald got, got Logan Anderson beamed on Saturday, uh, took an 88 mile an hour fastball right in the back. And he, and, you know, he deserved it with the way he acted after hitting a home run and mm-hmm. the things that he did out there. And so, um, you know, there's certain ways that you got to handle, handle yourself in uh, in victory and defeat. And I think those guys chewed on it, uh, Saturday night and, uh, they were bound and determined, that they were going to come out there, and, and yeah, they lost the battle, but they, they were going to go and win the war, and, um, uh, boy, did they have a flair for the dramatic uh, with that one yesterday.
1: All right, ULM wins this series. They'll have a, be out for a little revenge tomorrow when Jackson State comes to town. Then they travel to UT Arlington this week. What are you anticipating with these uh, first uh, with Jackson, then UTA Arlington?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, now, and, and I will not be, I'll actually be out of town. My brother-in-law is getting married, uh, in North Carolina. So, uh, my wife and I and my two boys are, uh, flying out tomorrow and it's, it happens to be spring break for, for all of the sun as well. So it, it was timed perfectly, but, um, so I'll, I'll be actually out of the booth this week and it's kind of good because I've been battling the, uh, the springtime pollen crud and, um, so uh, good, good to rest the pipes a little bit this weekend. But um, so I'll be out of the booth, and I'll have some guys filling in for me uh, this week. But uh, Jackson State coming in, I think you know one thing you got to look at is the weather. I think it's kind of iffy tomorrow, but mm. um, a good swag team. Obviously, they got the best of the Warhawks uh, earlier this year, but uh, you're going to come in there and um, you know try to try to get a little revenge. And then UC uh, Arlington, uh, they're they're uh, four and. Two uh, going into the weekend, so they're tied for the lead in the West Division after two weekends. Uh, the Warhawks are sitting at three and three, tied for third place right now. Um, they they've got a talented roster, obviously. I think their RPI is, is uh, right around sixty or so right now. They played a good mm-hmm. non conference schedule, so um, it'll be a tough challenge. Uh, but you know, and it's the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, so uh, they'll have to respond in, in that manner as well. But um, you know, hopefully they'll have a little momentum, they'll have a little spark. There's no doubt Coach Beddell they'll, they'll enjoy this one, have enjoyed this one, but they'll get them back uh, in the right direction and uh, get them refocused as they head out for a, for a business trip over to the Metroplex this weekend.
1: And ULM's already surpassed their win total of last year, and of course they do it in spectacular, grand fashion, grand slam fashion yeah, and, this past and, week. And
0: let me also mention, you know, how how about Spencer Hemphill for a second? I mean, you, you mm. talk about a kid who's been who's been through the lows of this program. He's a four-year player in this program, a local product. He's got a lot of a lot of pride uh, in there. I mean, what a moment for, for any struggle this year. He's batting under two hundred coming into that ball game. He's battled injuries. Uh, he's gone through multiple knee surgeries and having to catch a lot of innings um boy so happy for him and uh to have that moment and uh i gotta admit and you probably heard it in the call I- alpha's bad i thought it was just a lazy fly ball he hit it a mile high and um whatever you're calling that thing you really you watch the fielder more than he do the ball and um you kind of think the left fielder continues to go back and continue to go back and uh that thing that thing had enough to get out of there so uh, so happy for Spencer and to see them celebrate the way they did and he was drenched as he came up there for that post-game interview uh, so happy for that young man and uh and good to see him have that that big time moment
1: we had a great in- interview and conversation with Keith Richard in the seven o'clock hour Nick uh I guess in 2015 you told us that Loyola Chicago would be in the final four three years later right
0: I, I, yeah, we're on the tape, right? Yeah, I told you that, didn't I? Um, uh, they, they got one guy, Ben Richardson, who who was a freshman yeah. then, who, who, was, who started then, and um, he, he's a pretty key contributor right now, but they don't have a lot left from that team, but uh, boy, you know, Porter Moser was obviously the coach then, and, and I heard coach talk about him, and I remember whenever he was the coach at, at Little Rock uh, back in the day as well, and, and a guy who's has been put through the ringer whenever you look at his coaching career and you talk about perseverance. I mean, uh, you know, Little Rock fired, you know, Illinois state, we fired, you know, went back to be an assistant, got another opportunity. And, um, I think it's something to be said, and I haven't heard anybody bring it up, but I think, I think it shows the value of these tournaments. Um, you know, people can mock them or make fun of them or whatever, but, I think they have high value because there is still something to be said about winning a championship, and they won a championship uh, back in 2015. And you know, a guy like Ben Richardson can play off of that experience and and help lead his team with that. And uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an NCAA tournament championship, but it was a CBI championship, and and that tournament has propelled a lot of teams into success into the NCAA Tournament, VCU, Butler, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, those are pretty doggone good programs that are having the same success now. So, um, And I, I expect we'll see Loyola Chicago end up uh, having that same kind of success uh, from here moving forward, especially Wichita State out of the Missouri Valley. But, um, well, what a story. Really- um, what, a, what a story. And, um, you know, hopefully with the wedding uh, Saturday, uh, well, you know, I talk about fall weddings, and uh, good goodness gracious, my brother-in-law is getting married. And I do make the comments, it's got to be family, you know, for me to get involved with a wedding. And uh, here we go, final four, and uh, my brother-in-law is getting married. But uh, I bet y'all have the smartphone out uh, while the reception is going on out in North Carolina on Saturday, uh, watching the fighting Sister Jeans. And uh, I've had a conversation they... with Sister Jean. Uh, oh, I certainly yeah. have up in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. I talked to her, me and uh, – yeah, me and Adam Hunsucker actually whenever we were up there a couple of years ago. Uh didn't really know she was such a such a lovely, such a lovely uh spry young lady. Uh never knew she would uh didn't know she was really gonna end up the celebrity she is now. But uh yeah. Um wow, what what a what a story that is. I hope they got a lift for her whenever they cut down the nets on Monday night.
1: Oh, wow, ooh, he's calling the shots now. Uh thanks, Nick. We'll yell at you next week, bud. Have a great week. All right, guys, thanks. Voice of the Warhawks, Nick White. Uh, real quickly, I want to get to this uh, sound bite. we got another one come from Coach Fed just on this series and, of course, the walk-off Grand Slam home run by Spencer Hemphill.
3: But i can be honest with you, uh, two shutouts on the weekend and then you give up 31 runs on you know, Saturday, that's kind of interesting. Um, but I'm um, proud of my pitching staff, proud of the resiliency to come back after a, you know, a tough loss yesterday. And uh, you know, any time you get a chance to, to win a series at home, uh, especially in conference is huge.
1: Good stuff there. Let's uh, call a timeout. Coming up after the break, our parting shots in the morning drive. Welcome back. Let's end with our parting shots in the morning drive.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes! We got it, baby. We got it. We got it.
1: Woo! C- Congratulations, Um,
0: Congratulations,
1: I lost. You lost? Yes. Oh, okay.
0: You can have your $500 million jackpot in Powerball or whatever the heck it was, but I'll take this baby. Wilson, quick throw. It it's it's good. Intercepted. Intercepted to Malcolm Butler. It. Butler has it at the one. Malcolm Butler stepped in front of the throw. No way. you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. It's got to be. One of
1: the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Oh, again, again, that's a twofer. It's time for two parting shots. Listen to that. Listen to that. Sponsored by one. Oh, baby. You can't sponsor it, though. Just hit us up and we will get you on board.
3: <laughs> oh, man, that's, that threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that uh, parting shot. That's
1: so. an oldie but goodie.
3: All right, uh, so we got a clip from Sister Jean, but first, before we even play it, Mm -hmm. I've got two questions, and I I would like a little bit of feedback on this. A, and and maybe there's no one, (laughs) A, is anyone rooting against Loyola Chicago? Does anybody have Sister Jean fatigue and is like, you know what, I want Michigan to go in there and beat Loyola Chicago, and I want Michigan to face Villanova or Kansas? Is there someone out there who's saying that today? I'm just asking that question. Let us know. Someone
1: that. that's rooting against a 98-year-old, seven-month-old fan. Yeah. Hmm.
3: Well, I mean, listen, we've seen this time and time and time again. When someone is constantly in the news, people get tired of it. They get fatigued. So maybe someone has that happen to them. And we
1: discussed it last week. The uh, Where was that uh, shock jock from?
3: Was he from Nashville?
1: Yeah. We had this disparaging yeah, words fan, yeah. for a uh, – Sister Jean?
3: Yeah, we won't repeat what he said, yes. but uh, we can't. But uh,
1: I don't think he still has a job, or he's suspended. But I don't know how you can root against this story. This is what we want. You want Cinderella.
3: Yeah, you do. I, I agree, I, but I, I – I, listen, I just know, like, some, some buddies of mine are, are the type of people who would be like, No, I'm tired of this. (laughs) I'm tired of this. Give me Michigan and and Villanova. I feel like there are people out there listening that feel that way. And then go
1: taunter on the way?
3: No, no. I mean, they're not being disrespectful. We're just like, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'd be Puff Daddy. Puff? You think he's tired of it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, see, there you go.
1: Right on cue. That's what you get to look forward to the next hour.
3: Well. (laughs) Anyway, if you are, I'd love to hear from you. My second question is, before we play this clip, are you? Do you think this run is more memorable? Well, I shouldn't say more. It's more impressive yeah. than George Mason's run in 06. I
1: think so because I think George Mason had a little bit more name recognition. No, absolutely
3: Loyola, Chicago. not. Absolutely not. I I disagree so much. You think about the names that they went through. They went through yeah. Connecticut and all these other really big teams. Little Chicago, while I'm not raining on their parade, but they went through Miami, Tennessee, Nevada, and Kansas State. Great teams. They were underdogs in every single one of them. But, both uh, 11 seeds, too, correct? Both 11 seeds. But I just think if you look at who George Mason had to go through. Mm. I still t- Now, of course, Little Chicago could change that all this week by uh, beating Michigan and getting to the national championship game. Mm. Anyway, two two food for thought there.
1: Let's hear from uh, Puff Daddy's uh, favorite fan out there, that being Sister Jean.
4: Yes, and I think we distracted um, the team. uh, You know, uh, Kansas State. I think we actually distracted them enough so that even their best couldn't um, couldn't um, make baskets. And if you noticed, in the if you were at the pregame interviews like this, I did not give any numbers for any players. But I, I got them to them before they got in the court. I didn't want anybody calling Kansas State. <laughs> so, tell me about that second bracket. You so
3: said you had the second Cinderella bracket. Tell me who else is in that bracket. I'll
4: you quite, two more Royal. questions. That's it. Well, I think, I think maybe Villanova will be in that in a, in a, in a, in a final bracket with us. Okay.
3: And, and, you, and the second one, you guys win the, the second
4: in the second game, we the played. Bracket, no, oh, who do I have winning? Oh, yes. no, the, not the Cinderella one, the other one? No,
0: the Cinderella one. Who do you have winning with
4: Cinderella Oh, I have Loyola. What? you what?
0: looking forward to San Antonio?
4: I'm going to San Antonio. That's going to be great. That's it, fellas. That's it. That's
2: it, everyone. That's it. Thank you. you, thank you so
4: going. much. I'm happy you, you more than you need. Thank <laughs> Thank you, sister.
1: All right. That's even better than Leonard Hamilton interview. i never heard that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Now, those are two hard-hitting questions there for her. And then now, the best part of it, now she has a sports information director there making sure.
3: That's the best part. They're cutting part. her off. Two Cut,
1: questions. Only two more. Yeah. you got to get them out of it. This pesky press is coming at her too she said,
3: I, and at least She said, I probably still gave you more than you need. <laughs> yeah. uh, Man, I, that was awkward. Oh, yeah, That was cringeworthy. Most of them are.
1: Now, where's that storyline?
3: Most of them are. I don't know if you yeah. sat down and watched the full pressure with her. They, they I mean, she's charming, but yeah. of course, I mean, you get some answers. Wow, like, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I don't have fatigue yet. I'm still rooting for I'm still rooting for Little Chicago.
1: Can you imagine being the, the poor fool that he's got to be a, her, her media representative? <laughs>
3: I don't. I, I'll probably, grant you
1: an interview. I'll grant you a nope. Not giving probably it to you.
3: Loving it. You know. <laughs> One more question for you. When has he been in a yeah. p- position of power ever? <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, now he's the guy. You know. He's got the hottest <laughs> thing going in sports right now. Yeah.
1: We're gonna grant this national interview. You local guy over there. No.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Uh, it was
1: a fun show today.
3: Yeah. You know. We have fun. Uh,
1: let's try to do it again tomorrow. Coming up next, the edge. Thanks for listening to the morning drive. We'll yell at you bright and early tomorrow morning at
0: seven. A. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and white to listen live every day. Tune in at ESPN 977com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.